Hi, this is Kevin Mangold from Red Clover, and you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. Welcome, Horror Hounds, to the February edition of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. And as February and in turn Black History Month are coming to a close, I wanted to take this episode and talk about five of my favorite black-led horror movies. Now, they're not my top five. They're not, you know, my all-time favorites. There's a ton of you know, black horror, African-American horror, whichever you want to call it, that I love. These are just the five that I picked out that I wanted to talk about in this episode. (coughs) Because, honestly, they're the ones I watch the most. And so, join me on this trip through time as we, we go through these five movies and... After you listen, hit me up on Facebook at Moose's Monster Mash. Send me a friend request because I messed up. I made a hit me up on Moose's Monster Mash. Become my friend. And well, tell me your favorite black lead horror movies. And let's continue the discussion. But let's kick this off from back in the 70s with... Blackula. You know, here we have a movie where an African prince wants to stop the slave trade and gets turned into a vampire by Count Dracula. Now, Dracula is played essentially by a nobody TV actor, which is kind of cool considering it, Dracula is not at all central to the story. Um, but that aside, the movie for coming out in the 70s is still really cool. You have, you know, you have your strong male lead. You have, <coughs> you know, this, this vampire who wakes up years later and finds somebody who looks like the his former wife and pursues her. Now, there's a lot more to this story. I don't want to go into it because, honestly, I'm not sure how many people have watched, how many of my listeners have watched Blackula. But if you haven't, you should really check it out. It's on, like, all the streaming services right now. It is definitely one to watch. After this movie kick, came out, it kicked off a wave of black-themed horror movies. So, I mean, this it, it's not only a good movie, it's a very important movie in, you know, it, horror and cinema history. So, yes, it's it, it gets cheesy in points. But again, it's the 70s. You, you can't expect 
everything to hold up, but it, it, it's still definitely one of my favorites. Now, from the 70s, let's jump to 2000. Now, you're probably thinking 2000. A lot of movies came out in 2000. And you're right. There were. But this one in particular, it was uh, Leprechaun in the Hood. And I, I, I know, you know, there's a lot of mixed reviews on this one, but I love Leprechaun in the Hood. Because it changes up the Leprechaun movie formula. At this point, Leprechaun's not just Leprechaun searching for his gold. And, you know, he's a bad guy, etc., etc. We get introduced to Ice-T as Mac Daddy. Who, for If Memory Serves... Really, for the first time, we have a viable second bad guy in the franchise. Now, you know, I'm not talking, uh, you know, like now, like in Leprechaun in Space, there's the scientist who has ulterior motives. But in Lep in the Hood, Mac Daddy is like legitimately the other big bad. So you have the fantasy bad guy with Leprechaun, and you have this powerhouse mobster with Ice T who has made his bones and his career with this golden flute. You know, come to think of it, does it? Anybody remember if Ice had a golden flute when he was uh, recording? Because, I mean, kind of came out of nowhere, made his records, and was a household name. Nah, I'm just messing with y'all. Ice talented. I love me some Ice-T. But, no, it Leprechaun in the Hood really shifted the game. And, I mean, we still got the one-liners. We still got the... You know, the, the the cheese that is Leprechaun. But, it, like I just said, it was a dual-pronged movie. It wasn't people running from Leprechaun. You had these group of guys running from real-life problems as well. And, honestly, that's what made it cool for me. You know, it, it wasn't, oh, just... You know, the mystical, the magical, and the murder. Now, now it's real. And, you know, the gangs are involved. And th th this is now everyday stuff. First, the kids unleash Leprechaun while trying to dethrone Mac Daddy. So, they ultimately cause themselves more problems than everything's worth. You know, and like I said, you still get a lot of the Leprechaun cheese. There's a ton of great one-liners. It's comedy gold, but it it's also one of the more serious Leprechaun movies. And I, I think given the cast and direction of the movie and the fact that it deals with 
the real life, that is a very important signifier. Because I, I think if this movie had tackled the same things and kept it as goofy as it normally does, it would have been a huge failure. Speaking of real life, let's jump back to the 90s. One of my, now, I, I know I said at the beginning, these aren't my all-time favorites. These aren't, you know, this one does happen to be one of my all-time favorite movies. And it deals with the boogeyman of Cabrini Greens. And yes, we are talking about Candyman. Tony Todd is arguably, hands down, a horror legend. Now, I, I probably should preface this with saying I am a little biased. I would watch Tony Todd read the, uh, just read Ikea instructions because I like his delivery. So there is that. But no, Candyman, when it came out, I remember as a, you know, it came out when I was a kid. And to this day, there are adults that are still afraid to say his name. That's power. That's power in cinema. And that, that doesn't even tackle the message behind the movie, the, the real systemic racism and everything that was happening at Cabrini Green and everything that ultimately led to it getting torn down and fixed, which was phenomenal. But the, the, the movie, you know, just to hear his name, and it strikes fear in adults. It's power. Power in her name. And the movie taught us there's power in words, power in stories. You know, it's... Yes, actions have power. What you do matters. But what you say matters. How you treat people matters. And a lot of people, it would seem a lot of people miss that message. But at the end of the day, words can be good. Words can be bad. In this case, one word, Candyman. You say it five times. In a mirror. Go ahead. I'll wait. Did you come back? Are you alone? In this case, that word five times could seal your fate. It's kind of scary, man. It's one word. And they say words can't kill people. It's pretty deep. <laughs> and I don't want to spend too much time on this because, like I said, it is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I will be doing an episode later this year on both Candyman and the uh, remake of, well, remake, re-release, newer, well, 
the old and the new Candyman, however you want to call them. Because I do love the franchise. I love the story. I love the message. So please look forward to that episode coming out later this year. From the 90s, we jump ahead back to the 2000s. Queen of the Damned. Now, ultimately, it takes a while for her to come out, but in what is what ends up being her final role, when Aaliyah does finally get screen time, she is a powerhouse on screen. You know, the movie centers around Lestat wakes up. He he's tired of hiding in the shadows. He 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 wants to. You know, show everybody who, you know, who he is. You get some more of the stop backstory. Uh, ultimately, it does. One big downside is it carries over a trend that happened after Interview with the Vampire, and that's there's a certain group of individuals that would change their name or make their internet username Lestat because they wanted to be Lestat. So it added to that trend of, hey, I saw this in a movie. This is who I want to be. And, you know, you, you want to identify with a movie character. That's fine. But I, I, don't, I don't think you need to necessarily uh, adopt the name. But let's... uh. I digress. We uh, we 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 go through this movie. Lestat's forming his band. And he's taunting the vampires, and ultimately Akasha, Aaliyah's character, wakes up, an Egyptian queen who had to sleep because her and her king bled the world dry. Well, nearly bled the world dry. I apologize. And she is on a mission to find Lestat because he, he has what she wants. She, he has, he's going to be her new king and she goes on a tear. She kills everything in her path. She zero fucks given with this woman. And I remember when this movie came out, I went with a group of seniors from high school because, you know, you still have to have, like, adult uh, permission to go see an R-rated movie at the theaters. And so it was a group of seniors and some guy I paid 20 bucks to go buy me a ticket. And it's funny because now that's the cost of a ticket. But I digress. No, uh, no, a group of us went to go see this movie, and we came out thinking it was, like, the greatest thing we'd ever seen, and here we are 22 years later, and it's a feeling I still hold. Now, it is interesting that there is some dialogue that, dialogue in this movie that does end up in twilight later but 
that that just makes me chuckle every time I watch either one of them now. But I'm not going to tell you what it is. Go back, watch it. You'll see it. Now, number five. We're going to the 60s, man. Talking Night of the Living Dead. Dwayne Jones. Leading man. Now, Night of the Living Dead, in and of itself, is not a phenomenal movie. It's a good movie. Don't, please don't get me wrong. I love the movie. I just did a local screening of the movie a couple weeks ago. I absolutely love the movie. It's, let's just be realistic. It's not that great of a movie. It has great moments, but it's not, it, it's not a perfect movie. What is great is Dwayne Jones as the lead. Now, what started as just casting the right man for the role turned into, you know, casting Jones as you know, the, the first black man to lead this, you know, lead a predominantly white movie, uh, to lead such an aggressive role, and to smack the shit out of white folks in a movie. Now, Romero has gone on record to say that he didn't look at it as he was trying to make some big racial statement. He just, he was hiring the the man he thought was perfect for the job. <coughs> I think it's kismet that it just happened at the, you know, most, most tumultuous time in the country that this all came out. And it, yeah, it, it did end up breaking barriers with a very controversial ending. Uh, obviously, he dies. And the, the controversy behind it has always been, was he, you know, did he die because he was, they thought he was a zombie or did he die because he was black? Now, obviously, going back to Romero's statement... It was, they died because they saw movement, not because he was black, but there's always going to be that, uh, I guess, conspiracy group that thinks he was shot because he was black. And given when the movie came out, I, I can see the questioning, but his role in Night of the Living Dead, start to finish... He is a survivor. He is a leader. You know, he, he, from the moment you see him, he comes in, he takes charge. He knows exactly what to do. And intentional or not, for cinema, that's what we needed. You know, that, like I said, it broke down barriers. And I, I can't think of anyone better at that time to have done it than uh, Dwayne Jones. And, you know, th there's a lot of fun parts in Night of Living Dead. Obviously, you know, the, they're coming for you, Barbara. Yeah. I, everyone makes fun of that one. My favorite part always has been 
and always will be, is when he smacks the ever-loving shit out of a very hysterical Barbara. And she goes down like a sack of potatoes. I don't condone domestic violence, but whew, one slap and she was out cold, man. One of the funniest things I've ever seen on screen. And it it was almost as controversial as Captain Kirk and Lieutenant Uhura kissing on screen right around the same time. So we you know, we, we had a kiss in space and a slap in a field. What a world, man. What a world. Well, those are five of my favorite black lead horror movies. What are yours? Like I said, hit me up on Facebook, Moose's Monster Mash, or at Moose Media Inc. on Twitter. And if you aren't already, look for me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or just me over on Facebook at Moose Media Inc., an umbrella page for all of my endeavors, or look up Moose's Monster Mash. Uh, Moose Media Inc. on Twitter and on YouTube. And, you know, like I said, tell me your favorite movies and tell me why. Don't just tell me the titles. I want to know why. Let's have a discussion. And look, look for some fun things coming out the rest of this year. And until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. This has been Moose's Monster Bash. Come back for more chills and thrills if you dare. <laughs>